0: No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. White eyed thrilled bemused. How on earth did that happen?
2: Hello everyone. Welcome back to WonderGold, the soccer betting podcast from The Action Network. My name is Michael Lebop. Joining me for this episode, basically every episode we've ever done will be Anthony Debundo from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and BJ Cunningham from Waterloo, Iowa, and uh, together the three of us will. Break down the upcoming ten game Premier League slate. Do a little Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, League One. Give out our three leg underdog parlay, our Premier League best bet. Chat with our friend Eric Winalda, and then we will get out of here and get ready for the National Hockey League trade deadline that concludes on <laughs> Friday. Uh, but before we get into all of that, a reminder that Wonder Goal is brought to you by Bet Three Six Five, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code. Action to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio. Bet one dollar on any game, and you get two hundred in your coffers. All right, uh, let's start. This is a pretty big weekend. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a, a weekend like this in the Premier League. City and Newcastle is where we'll start this Saturday at 7:30 a.m. City's minus two twenty-five. Newcastle six to one. The draw is plus three fifty. Newcastle has one win. In their last seven matches in the Premier League, they've got five draws, uh, and they have one loss. I I one I'll, I'll look up for for our next episode, our next Premier League, Premier League episode to look up the most draws in a season. But Newcastle's got to be creeping, creeping in on it, especially for a team that finished in the top where they are. It's just it's it's such a strange way to get to a top four spot. Eleven draws. What are you gonna do? Only. Only two losses as well. Um, I like Newcastle though. I think six to one is is a good number when you're giving me a team that is the fourth best team in the league. Uh, I know they're going to City, but this is a team in in City. Every time it looks like they're they're riding the ship, like they just have a wonky result, and I won't call this one wonky. Like this is a good team playing against the best team. So, uh, I'll take this shot. Newcastle six to one. Anthony, what about you?
3: I'm going to be on the under three, minus 120. Uh, This is kind of a little high for me. Uh, We've talked about this for like a month now with Newcastle and and the attack falling off, and it continued again. You know, in the cup final against United, down the entire second half, they weren't really able to get clear scoring chances. Finished that game with 0.7 expected goals. Uh, They will have Nick Pope back for this, which is an upgrading goal over Carius, who I thought played fine in the cup final. Overall, like I didn't really, you know, uh, think he he, you know, was the reason they lost. Uh, but I also just think that this this attack is going to continue to regress as the season goes and end up, you know, like seventh or eighth best in the league. And they're sitting right around fifth or sixth right now in XG per ninety, uh, but they're still first in, in efficiency in box entries. And I think it's interesting when we look at what happened in the first meeting. They went to St James's Park City, they went up early and they just got torched over and over and over and over again in transition. I think that was like Pep got surprised and didn't expect that and I think now it's a it's going to be like Pep is going to adjust at home and say we are not letting that happen again at all costs even if it means we lower our own chances of winning the match because we don't attack with enough people like I think that Pep will go into, you know, defend mode and and, and prevent any real, uh, you know, transition opportunities for Newcastle. I still believe in this defense. I think the defensive numbers are legitimate. I think, you know, you look at their personnel. They are legitimately a top four defense. They do a good job. You know, the things that I look for. But again, it's just this attack is like not that good. I mean, it's, you know, Callum Wilson. And Saint Maximin and Marone, who under no circumstance should be a top five Premier League attack, so I'm just signed him. that
2: new that fat new deal, man, with a big smile on his face, and uh, he's playing Jack Grealish. Who said who made fun of him? Mm-hmm. And you know that's, that's true, maybe an right? interesting angle for if you're looking for a narrative player prop is a Al- Marone, anytime goal scorer going up against Jack Grealish. Um, or but I think the defense card. is is the point of this bet, right? Like they've allowed 15 goals this season. Mm-hmm. They've allowed four yep. I think in their last seven two of them came in the same game to Liverpool just make it a rock fight Win the coin flip that's my angle uh B- yeah the J-J- draws yourself. I
3: mean the draws are because their attack just isn't good enough yeah they've it, had some games where they put up gaudy numbers they get ahead we talked they, about this like they you get Chris ahead back you get out in transition and then you kind of just like get a bunch of big chances that inflate your numbers late but like they've played in a lot of grinders just like low scoring uh, not a lot of chances at either end. I mean, we even, you know, saw that, uh, you know, games against like Brighton and, and, um, and palace. I don't think they'll have a ton of possession here. So like they could, they could do the same thing and like create a bunch of transition, but, uh, I don't think Pep's going to let it happen. So I like the under BJ, what are you thinking?
4: Well, first off, Michael, I have your answer to the most draws in a season since we switched to uh, 38 games, it's Newcastle, 2003, 2004, 17 draws in a season. Uh, and here's another trivia question. Which club has the most draws ever throughout the entirety of the English top flight history? I'll give Everton. you a hint. It's one of our favorite teams. Yeah, say, Everton. Everton. Just Everton. Everton. Yeah. 300, 300 yeah. 320. I think they
2: numbers. also are the, the only team to ever lose 100 <laughs> times to the same team in, in the top flight as well. Gotcha. Okay. So Ar- Arsenal. Ah, uh,
4: I believe. Arsenal is yeah. one of the only uh, English Premier League clubs never to be relegated as well. So, um, I think this is an incredibly tactical from a tactical standpoint, incredibly interesting match. So what Newcastle likes to do, like we've talked about many times is they're much better playing off the ball, playing transitionally, setting up their pressing traps, which is how they were effective against city. Like you mentioned, Anthony, they had a pass per defensive action of 11.1 and they forced 10 high turnovers against city where pep was just trying to play his normal, slow buildup style play, not really expecting them to do that. And they hit them so many times. And we've seen from city especially against Arsenal in the second meeting, that Pep doesn't have to be this just, all right, we're playing out of the back and that's all we're doing. Like he showed against Arsenal, they can play the ball long and they can essentially nullify uh, a high press. And that's exactly what Manchester United did against Newcastle in that cup final. David De Gea, who, I mean, traditionally is not a good uh, passer from the goalkeeper position, but 60% of his passes went into the Newcastle half of the pitch. Just just goes to show you that United was like, all right, we're not going to let you guys... Uh, set up your high press. We're just going to play it long, and we're going to play fifty-fifty balls. And I, I don't know what Pep's going to do. If he if he does that, like you obviously leave yourself open to not retaining too much possession, like the match against Arsenal. City only had 37% possession. So do they just give Newcastle the ball and say, hey, no, you can try to come break us down and we'll be the ones that are playing in transition? Because City can be a good transitional team. It's why they're, you know, they're so good. And why Pep is such a great manager is because they can play so many different styles. They don't have to be this just like pragmatic build-up style play. It's the conservative play, and it's what's what has won them Premier League titles. But in this specific matchup, I think it would be better for them to start just playing long balls. And I mean, listen. I do like Newcastle in this matchup. I think it is a good bylaw opportunity, but the price just isn't there for me right now. I mean, City only at minus 215 at home is quite, quite low given the prices we've seen at City over the years. Uh, this is also going to be their seventh match in less than 20 days. They didn't fully rotate against Bristol City in the FA Cup on Tuesday. So now we're looking at a situation where it's basically been pretty close to the same starting 11 for about three weeks now. So I'd love to get Newcastle a plus one and a half. I really would, but it's just not there right now. So I have to pass. If Newcastle plus one and a half gets down to minus one twenty, I will play that. But outside of that, I think this is a pass. I think the price on City is too low, which happened against Bournemouth too. I mean, City would they close at minus two twenty, minus two fifteen? Like it was crazy how how low they went on the road against Bournemouth. And I get it. Like there's a bunch of fixture pile up, and Pep did a, a very different lineup. But yeah. I think if if City does their normal pragmatic style build up play and Newcastle is able to set up their pressing traps, Newcastle is very very live here. If City decides they're not going to do that and they're not going to let Newcastle do uh, set up those traps, it's going to be t- it's going to be just as tough, just like it was in, in the Cup final for Newcastle.
2: Uh, that is the Saturday seven thirty a.m. kickoff. Let's switch to Sunday real quick to talk about the other headliner, the Reds and the Red Devils. Uh, Liverpool is plus one forty. Hosting Man United plus 180, the draws plus 260, one of the great rivalries in sport. One thing I want to point out here is that Liverpool's results against, I guess you, I don't, I don't want to call like a big six anymore because I'm going to kind of jump around Europe and uh, all and include some other solid teams, some teams we know are, are good. Uh, this season they're all over the place. Like they lost to United, they got, thrashed the first time they played Napoli draw with Brighton lost to Arsenal. You know, they've got the one, one nil win against city, a two nil win against Napoli. Whether you want to look into that one or not, go right ahead because of the the circumstances. They beat city. uh, They beat Tottenham lost to Brentford, like lost to Brighton and got trounced by Madrid, but they beat United. So like uh, Newcastle United. So, when they play these good teams, like you just don't it's anybody's guess and United's been so good. And they've been flying offensively that I think this Liverpool defense is probably going to get picked apart here. And this could be another back and forth. I think it could play out similar to the real Madrid match. Honestly, like I wouldn't be shocked if, if Liverpool comes out crowds behind them and they get out to an early lead and then United comes back. But I like the price on United. Liverpool's plus 140 at home. United 180. It's pretty close to a pickem. Like when you look at it. And I think that's relatively fair. But I'll still take the price here on uh, the Red Devils, who they're rolling still. Congrats on the league League Cup title. Newcastle's trophy drought extends for another season, it looks like. Anthony, what do you think? I mean, it feels like the squares play playing the world to bet the over, right? Like, it's
3: too easy. Liverpool's defense sucks. <laughs> Their attack is still really good. Uh, it, it sets up really well for the United
2: defense. It's to, a headliner game. Like, yeah, this is...
3: To let them have the ball and then just destroy them in transition, like we just saw Real Madrid do. Uh, you know, Liverpool with a solid 2-0 win today against Wolves, but they gave up over one expected goal. Wolves had multiple big chances uh, to score in that match. And, uh, you know, final score was a little flattering to the Reds in general, but still created over 2.5 XG, uh, like Liverpool's attack is still very, very good, uh, and you know Darwin's been you know betting in nicely and, and finally you know finishing some chances. Although he had another goal ruled off today for some some BS. Uh, you know Liverpool at home against Everton put up over two expected goals. They went to Newcastle put up over two xg. I know there was a red card, but most of their chances came before too. So like this is attack is. Uh, good enough to try to outscore United, and I think that's the best way to go at this. Like, I think this United attack is still running so good with their finishing, but it just in this matchup, I can't bet against United here uh, with a yeah. pickem. Like you know, two weeks ago, I bet Liverpool at home against Real Madrid in the Champions League at a very similar number. Uh, didn't go well, but I think United's better than Real Madrid right now. Yeah. I'll say that. And and given that, like I can't really bet Liverpool with this number. So if it got to like a – if Liverpool became an underdog, which it's actually trending toward United maybe being a favorite at Anfield, in which case uh, I would get involved on the Reds, this is going to be a stay away for me. And BJ, you lost again, fading United. Yeah. It's okay. You <laughs> just joined me on the under. It was really sweat-free. You just had to survive like three one-on-ones in the final five minutes. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, no, it was – um. It is very interesting, you know, in that match, I mean, United basically set up the blueprint, like you said, Michael, to just sit back and counter Liverpool and and cause a lot of problems because Newcastle, who, you know, like I mentioned previously, one of the best pressing teams in the Premier League, they allowed a field tilt of 65%. Newcastle controlled 61% possession, but United only had a 65% build up completion percentage. And like I already mentioned, they just played the ball long and they played right through Newcastle and created a couple chances. Now... We're in a very similar situation where Real Madrid they, did the exact same thing. Like Real Madrid sat back in a 4-4-2. They were very compact. Obviously, Liverpool created a couple chances, but then they just had unbelievable guys going forward and, and countering and finishing at ridiculous rates. And I mean, the United offense, it's good. I mean, what do you want me to say? Yeah, it's good. Like they've the last 10 matches, they have created 20.1 expected goals and 14 big scoring chances out of the World Cup break. Like this is just a flat out one of the one of the hottest offenses in the Premier League right now. And it's also a good lesson of like not overreacting to Liverpool's defense being good against both Crystal Palace and Wolves, who are two of the worst offenses in the Premier League. And, you know, I keep saying it every week, but you know, for Liverpool, I mean, if Barcelona's counterpressed couldn't stop Manchester United and they played right through them, what makes you think Liverpool's four, 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 three, three is going to be able to do that? I mean, they just don't have. The guys who are gonna be able to counter press United. So, this is also funny because this is the uh, the repeat of. It, it's very funny how, you know, obviously in this in this sport, like media narratives change so quickly. Remember where we were last time these two teams faced off.
0: Yeah, oh, Liverpool yeah. was minus oh, one
4: fifty yeah. on the road. At Old Trafford. I'm pretty sure we did a Twitter spaces before the match. And I was saying how, oh my gosh, like how could Liverpool only be minus 150 on the road at United? And now we're talking about United being almost a favorite yeah. at Anfield. Like it's insane. So I'm playing over three goals at plus one ten. I do project 3.7 goals. I really, unless Liverpool is gonna not press, which I highly doubt they're gonna do not do that this United's going to be able to just counter them to death. And like you mentioned, I mean, Liverpool offense is still really, really, really good. They created close to three expected goals against Wolves today. So yeah, uh, I'm on over three goals, a plus 110. Yeah, it's probably the square's on the board, but you know what? I don't have a problem being a square.
3: That that loss to Liverpool, or that that Liverpool loss to Man United was the end of the fading United era. Because I yeah. think from like March until uh, August, uh, BJ faded them every single match, and that I think right he minute. he hit like 80%. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but all, all good things come to an end, and it would have been, been more if, if Ronaldo
4: wasn't finishing at just an ungodly rate, too. Yeah,
3: yeah. uh, and and now they've we ditched Ronaldo, him. they've gotten better, and, and I don't know. I feel like up that Saudi come pro back. league
2: man, he, it's too bad he's not still around for this crazy yeah. run. Uh, he yeah, does that was, he, Look, that's an EFL Cup trophy in the trophy case for, yeah, another Cristiano. trophy for the man. Yep, uh, yeah, that was uh, the first three matches we we hit the um, the moneyline underdog with. Brighton Brentford, and then we hit the money line underdog with Manchester United. I think you like were the good.
3: only one that had the last one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, you guys are, you guys are losers. <laughs> uh, all right. Speaking of losers, Arsenal minus 500. Uh, they're playing uh, Bournemouth. They're hosting Bournemouth. They're 12 to 1. The draw is 6 to 1. BJ, we're not even going to discuss this one. We, why? we know, oh, well, because we just know how it's going to go. Um, and we know how it went today with Everton and, and Arsenal. A really unlucky three nil loss yeah. for Everton. Yeah. Um, Anthony, you're good. the you're the only one with the play here, so floor is yours.
3: Look, every once in a while we get to these like doldrum spots in the middle of the Premier League season. I remember I did it a lot last year because uh, there was a lot of overvalued defenses in this league. Liverpool was one of them for a while, and I remember like betting like Norwich team total over, and then uh, we like we like won, and it was just the greatest feeling on earth because you're you're sitting there for the whole match waiting for Norwich to even get like a sniff. I did and it. That's pr- I did it last week with with Bournemouth against City.
4: I texted and you. And you cashed, yeah. And I, yeah. Didn't, I didn't
3: take it because I'm a coward. Well, this week I'm there. Uh, plus money on the road at Arsenal to score. Give me the cherries. Uh, this line is inflated. Uh, the spread is a little bit too high as well. If it gets to a flat two, I'm going to be on Bournemouth plus two as well. Uh, but really, this is about Arsenal's defense, which has ex- you know people have found cracks and started to look to expose it. And I think you're seeing some some regression uh, from this group, which was dominant. I mean, Saliba and and Gabrielle were awesome in the first half of the season. Uh, their their uh, you know ground dual win percentages were off the charts good. They're winning every 50-50, stopping every transition in its tracks. Uh, but teams starting to play a little differently. They're starting to go over the top of where Zinchenko likes to be. You know, he tucks in finding space in those channels out wide. You saw Everton today, even though they didn't score, they did have a lot of dangerous counterattacks that kind of just fizzled out or, or ultimately uh, led to, you know, Neil pay shots, which never go in. So even with that, though, they did get over one expected goal, which I, I thought was notable uh, because that means, you know, Arsenal have kind of really struggled to stop chances in the last, we'll say, month. Roughly. They had a good game against United. Okay, they concede twice. Uh, You know, even leading against Spurs, over one and a half expected, against Everton, one and a half. Brentford, two. City, 1.7. They had the great showing against Villa, but again, they did concede twice uh, in that match. You know, they dominate Leicester. Okay, Leicester took one shot, but uh, I think in this spot, I'm going to pack the cherries to get on the board at plus money. It's a classic. Worst team in the league against the best table team in the league uh give me the underdog to score well the worst
4: team
2: in the league is sitting in sixth place anthony
3: well we we in fourth
2: uh, that was <laughs> a convincing argument maybe I'll maybe i'll go join you on that one uh villa palace now villa's plus 105 at home hosting palace plus 280 the draw is plus 230 very little interest here for me uh very little interest from all of us but bj quick 30 seconds on this one yeah if you, this, if you can find if you can find it in yeah. yourself
4: no yeah no this is the easiest pass on the board here uh i mean i make villa plus 106 i mean palace i mean once again a very lackluster showing offensively against liverpool you know it it's it's a problem you know Zaha will be back for Crystal Palace, so that helps them a little bit i mean he's still obviously there most productive attacker right now, but I mean, yeah, I I I literally have nothing on this match. that I project it right on what it's gonna be. Um, I I can't figure out Chris Palace at this point, man. Like they're just they're just bad. Like there's really no other. Like they're like the Chris Palace of before Patrick Vieira. Maybe not the biggest like overperformers in the league, but just like the very like boring. Like yeah, they're just they're not that good offensively. They're average defensively now, and it's just yeah, they've just turned into. Well, Chris palace has been for a really long time in the Premier League, so yeah, easiest pass on the board for me.
3: Sets so up well for an under, but two and a half is like minus one fifty. Yeah, so, exactly. No, so, thank you. And like in Villa,
4: it's funny because when the game becomes transitional, Villa is actually like really struggling because <laughs> I don't I don't really know why. Yeah, no, it's the easiest pass on the board.
2: All right, then we move on to Brighton. Their odds on at home, minus one twenty five, hosting West Ham plus three fifty. The is plus plus two sixty. I know you guys don't have much here. I actually don't mind a bet on West Ham at these numbers. It's that's a sin on this podcast. I know it's just, but th- look, maybe, maybe it was a blip, but that four nil win over forest was comprehensive. They held them to under half an expected goal. It's been a just a great defensive stretch from this team, especially, uh, especially since like the middle of, I guess, uh, November or so for, for West Ham, I still trust the defense to do, it's part to to keep teams kind of in check. Not the most excited I am to bet a game, uh, so we'll see if I get there. Uh, Anthony, I know you don't have anything from a betting standpoint, but anything here on seagulls and hammers?
3: Yeah, nothing for me. Uh, I'll just complain. You know, don't I had uh, I had West Ham plus one in the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Me too. Also had Leeds plus a half in the FA Cup. Me too. Ended up, ended up splitting the slate, but uh, those two man, awful. <sighs> West Ham up one nil. You, you know, Man United gets the equalizer. They scored in the 90th and the 95th to burn the plus one after United rotated half their team out. You know, still found a way to, to, to screw me. But, uh, yeah, uh, West Ham, they do have a, a weird spot here. They have the Conference League coming up Thursday. I mean, like, at this point, it is interesting because they could – Win the conference. Like if you look at the, how the bad the competition uh, is. European
4: competition. Outfit. And they
3: are, are they are they not the favorite? I I know they were one of the favorites when I looked.
4: No, uh, it's got to be Lazio, man. Come on.
3: No, Lazio is in the Europa League. No, they're in
4: the conference. Oh, they're in the
3: conference. Though. You're right. Okay, yes.
4: Yeah, no, it's got to be Lazio, man. Come on,
3: you know that team. Let's see. We'll get to them later in the show. Conference League. Oh yeah, I great, think I great saw. Great podcasting. Yeah, great podcasting. Give me two seconds. I'll have it pulled up um uh, they are the second favorite ahead of Lazio it's Virial West Ham oh, Lazio how could we forget
2: Fiorentina
3: plus 650 may need to have some dollars on that anyway uh my point is uh this is a weird spot for them because like you can't like you can't rotate you have you're in the relegation battle here sort of uh and you're at Brighton West Ham's attack has been so 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 bad um when they played these better teams, like the one good team in the league where you can, uh, except for Liverpool, that you can really just like kind of expose defensively, though, is Brighton. So, uh, you know, if I had any stones, I'd bet the over here, but I don't. So
2: I'll be passing. Chelsea and Leeds now. Uh, this will we'll go right back to you, Anthony. Uh, Chelsea's minus 163. Uh, Leeds, United, the Peacocks, plus 450 on the road. And the draw is three to one. I, I, Graham Potter might be coaching for his job here. Uh, what, no, no, no. He's I safe. No, so. he's no safe. every every uh, report says he's I, safe. I know, but that what would those, they get by are,
3: sacking him though? What What do they? I mean, what, seasons. They want
4: you know. Right? They, they, just there's all these Pochettino rumors out there right now. Yeah, that's it's,
2: a good point. Uh, and we also it's like it's the theory of the irrational actor, right? Like these people aren't rational making these decisions. So I,
3: mm-hmm. I don't know about that but, though, because Bowley Bowley is not an idiot. Uh, um, Okay, uh,
2: maybe his but look plan.
3: His plan may be flawed, but he has a plan. Like his plan is like, yeah, Potter I mean, my guy. He never liked Tuchel, so he went out of his way to get Potter, fired Tuchel, uh, brought him in, and gave him a, a shit ton of players to work with. Uh, and it has not worked. But like, I don't think he's just going to abandon the whole plan immediately.
2: Maybe not, but he might abandon his manager. I'm. I, I mean, I know you're new to this. This is league <sighs> and sport only a couple years in, but these yeah. things happen in the Premier League, Anthony. Anywhere. Anyways, he I mean this Jesse is the Marsh least, is the least patient opponent. league in the Dude. world. It just <laughs> happened.
3: I mean, they let Jesse Marsh hire an assistant and then uh <laughs> fired him before the visa even went through for the guy. So uh yeah, I mean look, I like both teams to score. Both of these attacks just kill me. They never one one can't create anything anymore or finish it. And one is creating a ton of chances and can't finish anything. This number is so low for me. Um Chelsea are doing a ton of defensive possession, like that's their thing. Keep the ball, do nothing do nothing more, do nothing, create two big chances, miss them both, lose one nil, you know, but Leeds are good at disrupting that. I mean, they're not going to make it easy for Chelsea to just kind of pass the ball around and have their fun. So I think Leeds will, will be disruptive. But if, if there's ever a get right spot for this Chelsea attack, I said it last week against Tottenham and then Tottenham actually like did a good job contesting the midfield and, and kept Chelsea from getting into the penalty area. The game was pretty dead lost, you know, whatever. Oliver Skip hitting bangers against me, like what? what Best what is team it? in the what, world, Anthony. What a what a world we live in. But uh, yeah, up the whites, up the lily whites. But um, yeah, I, I think this total, this both teams score number is just too low. It should be closer to minus one forty, one thirty five. Uh, I again, like I think this is a good spot for Leeds to disrupt Chelsea. Chelsea to finally get a couple big scoring chances against the Leeds defense that we know loves to concede them off of individual errors. Chelsea will do a good amount of pressing, so you can expect uh, you know a frenetic pace here too. Uh, and so, inevitably, Leeds will concede, and, and I do think they can disrupt enough to get it on the board. So, both teams to score? Yes, for me.
2: Maybe this is the Chelsea team total over four and a half spot. It, uh, it's it's oh, Wait for the Champions so League. Fun. They might win <laughs> the, the Champions League. Dortmund. Get relegated, win the Champions League. Uh, Wolverhampton, plus 230 against Anthony Spurs. Oliver Skip, plus 120. Tottenham is. The draw is plus two forty. <laughs> I, I, I think this is a this is a game I'm going to be betting the draw. It just it everything points to an absolute s- snoozer uh, here, and you guys are kind of in the same spot as me, BJ. We'll go with you first. Yeah, cue up a, a seven-goal thriller. Um, <laughs> Maybe it's a 4-4 four four like,
4: like I'm, I'm dead serious. How on earth is Wolves going to create one expected goal in this match? Like, How are they going to do it? We just saw Chelsea go up against Tottenham. Like Anthony mentioned, it was a completely dead game. They were completely ineffective at breaking down Tottenham's low block. They only created half an expected goal. Wolves, for the season, counting their match against Liverpool today, has only created over one expected goal eight times. Eight times. In those eight times, it came twice against Bournemouth. Leeds. Liverpool, Chelsea, Nottingham Forest. there was a penalty in there. Leicester and Brighton, there was also a penalty in there. The common theme with a lot, with, with when they're playing, common theme with the Wolves, quite frankly, is that when they're playing teams in the bottom half of the Premier League, they can create stuff from open play. Like, they're pretty decent. But as soon as they have to play a top-half defense, they completely fall apart. Completely fall apart. And if you remove the Liverpool match, uh since the world cup break that's the first liverpool match excuse me when they created two expected goals if you remove that match they have created two big scoring chances since we got back from the world cup break and it's just the same story over and over and over again it doesn't matter who the manager is it's just a wolves team that cannot get the ball inside the box and just takes so many shots from outside the box and it was very prevalent the last time these two teams faced up i don't care that bruno lodge was the manager then wolves in that match outshot tottenham 20 to 11 12 of those shots came from outside the box and only one of their 20 shots had next year rating over 0.1 wolves defensively though, I would consider them a fairly average defense, like they're 11th in non-penalty expectables allowed ninth in big scoring chance allowed. They defend both crosses and set pieces pretty well. So it should, you know, be a, a decent matchup against Tottenham uh, who are in a look at spot uh, with a very, very important match against AC Milan on Wednesday in the champions league. So I like both teams to score. No, at plus 105, I projected a minus 115. I do not understand how Wolves is going to score in this match unless it's a, a banger from outside the box that Fraser Foster uh, makes an error on. Uh, Anthony, you're
3: kind of going in a similar way here. Yeah, I feel like this happens once a week. You know, BJ goes first. He makes a convincing case for BTTS. No, I bet under two and a half. The game ends three. No. Uh, so <laughs> I what like the benefits th- of both teams score. No, <laughs> Anthony. Well, it could end 1 1 too. Uh, I like, and I, I think there's a decent chance this does, but I, I like under two and a half. Um, you mentioned it with the crosses and the, and the set pieces. Like, Wolves are a good set piece defense, they're a good crossing defense. That's important against Tottenham. But the other end of the pitch look, if your plan against Spurs is to just get the ball out wide and cross it in over and over and over again, good luck. I mean, they're just very good defense at doing that. And they have been a little different under Stellini uh, with Conte, uh, you know, recovering, uh, not on the, on the touchline. Uh, they've been more aggressive. They've been contesting midfield. I was actually impressed with the defensive performance against Chelsea, not just because they defended the penalty area well, but because they prevented Chelsea from getting just walking into the penalty area. I mean, going back to the Tuchel days, it was striking how different that kind of game was, where Spurs were couldn't get out, you know, defending for their lives in the box versus this game where, you know, a lot of the Chelsea disruptions came in the midfield uh, by Tottenham's midfield. So uh, I don't know if it's a tactical thing or if they've decided they're going to give it a go, but. Uh, they're going to be on the ball more in this match though. That is a little scary because Wolves could, could have some transitions. Like you remember though, that first match, it was Tottenham possession. Tottenham loses the ball. Wolves get a three on 2 Wolves screw it up. They end up settling for a horrendous shot and they just kept doing that over and over again. So the shots at one point was like eight to zero for Wolves. And I was like, geez, Tottenham are getting like, you know, cooked here, but none of those chances had any actual (laughs) chance of going in. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I like the under, uh. You know, Tottenham gave Kane a rest today, created less than one expected goal against Sheffield in the FA Cup. It uh, shouldn't, shouldn't
4: have, have been there. Wrexham should have been there.
3: Chef, it should have been Wrexham. I, I would have loved to have bet Wrexham. I I was happy to bet Sheffield instead. Easy spot. But uh, yeah, I like the under here. And uh, Spurs-unders.
2: Mm-hmm. Spurs-unders. Uh, Saints, uh, Southampton plus 175. Hosting, uh, Leicester City plus 160. And the draw is plus plus two thirty. There's a couple candidates. This this, this slate is just really top-heavy, uh, I would say. There's some, some absolute nails games, and then there's some uh, other ones that we'll probably forget ever happened. Or, and in the case of the next one we'll talk about, we'll wish we forget ever happened. But, uh, BJ, you're the only one with anything actionable here, Saints and Foxes.
4: Yeah, the Premier League took a look at this slate and said, "Yes, this is going to be the twelve thirty match that we need uh, for everybody to see." Uh, well, the Islanders, gonna...
2: the New York Islanders, play at twelve thirty, and the big who do they play they play? they play? they play the Detroit Red Wings. It's they don't right. want, you don't want to go up against that ratings banana. Yeah,
4: you know, it's there's a bunch of conference tournaments going on in college basketball. You know, just but we got to have Southampton and Leicester because we got to cater to our American audience at twelve thirty. Um, I think it's a good buy low spot for Southampton here. Like Ruben Salas is going to be the manager. For the rest of the season, it's survival or nothing. They're obviously still at the bottom half of the table. Uh, but I think it's actually a benefit holding on to Salas because he was an assistant for a long time under Hassan Hoodle. So essentially, what Southampton is doing is they're going back to the style of play they played under Hassan Hoodle, which to varying degrees was successful and not successful in the Premier League, but it's at least some familiarity with, with this group. Um, and you know, especially in betting, you know, what we want is obviously a, you know, teams that are running horribly defensively who are facing a team that's been running really hot offensively. And that's what we have in this scenario. Uh, you know, Benuzu still in, in net. He's minus 10.4 post-chat, actually plus minus. He has to regress um, or else he's the worst goalkeeper in Premier League history, uh, which I don't believe he is. And for Leicester, it's very funny. They go to they go to Old Trafford and they literally put in the worst defensive performance by expected goals in the Premier League this season and then they go host Arsenal and put in the worst offensive performance of anybody in the Premier League this season. So, I mean, listen, Leicester's very comfortably in the middle of the table. Uh they're they're somewhat threatening on on relegation, but you can just see it like they really don't care. And even more than that, Michael, they just lost at home to Blackburn in the FA Cup. If you know anything about what's going on in the championship right now, you'll see, oh my gosh, Blackburn's in fourth place. Like they could be coming to the Premier League soon. They have the fourth worst expected goal differential in the championship. They're one of the biggest overperformers in the second division. So I actually make Southampton a, a plus 127 favorite here at home. Uh, I, I'm kind of shocked to see Leicester as a slight road favorite uh, at the St. Mary stadiums. And again, I mean, let's... Southampton hasn't been effective like from an expected goal standpoint. They haven't been effective off set pieces, but they obviously have one of the best set piece takers in the Premier League and Leicester's one of the worst set piece defenses in the Premier League. So, uh, I think this is a good buy low spot for Southampton. So, I like them draw no bet at minus 105.
2: We got a lot of more out of that match than I thought we would when I saw it first. So, a uh, pretty pretty good job there PJ.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: But here's the real headliner. Nottingham Forest hosting Everton. City ground. (laughs) Easiest pass
3: on the board. Tricky (laughs) tree. No, 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 no. What's that?
2: Everton's plus 187. The draw. Navas and Pickford. Two to one. What do you have, BJ? I don't even want to talk. I have a trivia
4: question. Do I, I did. I did. I did it last week. I asked how many goals Nottingham Forest has scored away from home. How many goals have Everton scored away from home in the Premier League this season?
2: Oh boy, I remember they scored against Man City. That's true. They did, Michael.
3: I'm gonna go with five.
2: Close. Yeah, as I was gonna say, four. I, I'm trying to count them right in my head here. No
3: way, it's less than five.
2: Six. Six.
4: <laughs> Six <laughs> That's goals crazy. for Everton. Um, but I like the over two goals. Oh <laughs> boy. Um. I'm really, I'm once again going to try to hit one of these Everton overs that happened today against Arsenal. But I mean listen, Sean Dyche has turned Everton into somewhat of an offensive force here. I mean, <laughs> they created 1.4 against Leeds, 1.6 against Aston Villa, 1.7 against Arsenal in the first meeting and then again 1.4 today against Arsenal. Like it's it's not bad offensive output uh from Everton and this is the type of match for both teams. It's it's kind of a blessing and a curse for, for both Nottingham Forest and Everton where both of them, you know, Everton, one of their biggest problems is they were horribly in horrible in transition defense under Frank Lampard. And obviously Deitch has made that a little bit better, but it's still the same group of players. And both of these offenses are much better when the game is transitional, which you have two low blocks who don't like to uh, get a lot of possession. So my guess is this game is going to be very transitional, kind of end to end type stuff, which I think is actually going to lead to kind of a more exciting match than I think most people would expect. And the Forest offense has been much better at home. I mean, it has to be, <laughs> other than you know, from scoring three goals away from home. There are averaging 1.3 expected goals at home. They have created 5.2 in the last four matches at home. And the last time these two teams faced off, it was a 1-1 draw. There were 2.5 expected goals created, and there were a total of 33 shots. So I project right on 2.5 goals over two goals at minus 120, I think is a decent price because, you know, Everton can't just sit back and and play for a point. They're in the relegations zone. They got to play more aggressive. So I think it's going to turn a little more transitional, which both teams thrive in. So
3: over two goals at minus 120 for me. I didn't realize it was two. Yeah, yeah. Ah, come on, Anthony. Come on. I'm at like 2.25 though. I'm not quite there. Mm. Like I
4: am, but. Yeah, minus 120 is the cutoff. Like I can't play anything higher than minus one. Yeah. But still, come on. I wish I I wish, I wish, Ty, I wish,
2: Ty, I wish Ty was back, but he's not. Um, that would help. You know, who, know who else know. would help? We, we, Dominic coward lewin Yeah, it would be awful. He was back yeah. too. Yeah. Neil Mopai is is just. I mean, as advertised. Well, it's here's, pretty here's the pro, here's the problem, Michael. Yeah, he might be that, a bad finisher. Yeah, no, no.
0: But
4: it's not just that. It's just like if Everton's just continually going to play a bunch of long balls, you know, from from the goal kick. I mean, um, I saw Pickford attempted their most passes of anybody on the pitch today. Thirty passes. Uh, that's, troublesome. that's it. Yeah, that's, that seems troublesome uh, for your goalkeeper, you know, uh, attempting your most passes. Uh, but yeah, no, it's like when they try to play those long balls, Dominic calvert is is, is a, such an aerial threat that Neil Maupai just isn't. So Everton can't win those and, and get the ball moving forward. So they really need Dominic calvert back.
3: Are these defenses Hopefully. really good enough for a two? That's the thing. I, just, I The goalies have been so good that I think that's deflating this total.
2: Yeah. Although Pickford wasn't very good today. Uh, let's wrap up the Premier League. Oh, boy. Bees. Cottagers. We had a, a nice conversation with Eric Winalda later, and 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 it kind of just devolved into a love fest for Tim Ream, who was just immense uh, against Leeds in the midweek. What a story. Uh, Brentford's minus 106 at home. Fulham 275, plus 275 at Bet365. The draw, plus 260. Uh, I think Brentford's fine. I think that this, someone's someone's going to get Fulham. Someone's going to get him. This is the kill uh, shot, right? And here. the bees, the bees of the team. We just know it's going to come. We got to kill him. Go on, BJ.
4: We got to kill off Fulham. This is so dumb what they are doing right now. We're out of the World Cup break. They have conceded four goals off of 14.2 expected. It has to stop at some point. Even in against the FA Cup, Anthony already mentioned it. Fulham's defense conceded 1.53 expected goals. Leeds couldn't find the back of the net. And the flip side of that is they scored two bangers from outside the box and created just around 0. 0.2 expected goals. Um, I mean, this is the same Fulham defense. We say it over and over and over again. Dead last, in big scoring chance. Not good against Brentford. Very bad against set pieces. Again, horrible against a team like Brentford. And the flip side of it is not only has their defense been running crazy hot, but now their offense is running crazy hot too. The last four matches, if you include the FA Cup match against Leeds, they've scored six goals off a 2.5 expected. They just keep scoring bangers from outside the box. It's so dumb. I can't I can't keep watching this thing happen. They're all, but the biggest thing here for Fulham is they're going to be without Paulinho, which is absolutely massive for them. He's suspended. He has 134 tackles plus interceptions. That is is 20 more than anybody else in the Premier League. That's how important he is, especially in defending transition, which this game is without a doubt probably going to become transitional unless Fulham really, really sits deep, which I don't see them doing. Listen, I don't know wow. what Ivan Tony's status is. I'm just, I'm tired of trying to predict it. He's pleaded guilty to 7,000 counts of betting, so it's probably going to be, you know, a two or three uh, match ban for him. Either way, this is a fantastic...
3: <laughs> bet the over on two and a half <laughs> matches ban.
4: Either way... This is a fantastic matchup for, for Brentford, given their ability to create score, big scoring chances, how efficient they are off, off of set pieces. You know, if you remove Ivan Tony, they still have good attackers. Like, it's not just Tony or nothing. Like, Embuemo, Wisa, and Keenelis Potter, although it is a small sample size, are all 0.4 XG plus expected this per 90 minutes. So it's not like I don't think this offense it's going to take a hit, obviously, but they're not just going to completely fall off a cliff. And finally, Brentford's just really good at the Brentford Community Stadium. It's it's a carryover from last year. They're a plus 4.7 expected goal differential. Fulham is minus 8 expected goal differential away from Craven Cottage. I project Brentford at minus 171. Minus 171, and they're sitting at plus 105. I might be a little bit high, but I really don't think I am. I love the bees. This is finally the kill shot right here. We're going to take Fulham out, and it's going to be with Brentford.
3: Yeah, I'll make it two for two. I mean... Uh... Thank you. Paulina is a big loss. Uh, He has masked this defense and helped this defense. Uh, They don't concede a ton of penalty box entries uh, given their numbers. This is something we've gone back and forth on the previous episodes about like, okay, they're conceding a lot of expected goals. They're running really good, but they're also like pretty good at keeping opponents out of their penalty area at the same time. Uh, And that's, that's Paulina. I mean, his, he's the best ball winner in the prem this year Uh, and he will not be there. And I think that takes away from, where I could see this match devolving into, which is Fulham's going to defend a little bit deeper. They're going to let Brentford have the ball at home, try to break them down. Brentford will struggle to get the ball in the penalty area, and you're going to get a bit of a stalemate that plays out. But I agree. With no Polina, I think this this does become much more open and back and forth, uh, and I think Fulham will struggle to stop Brentford here. Brentford does all the things that I think Fulham has problems with. The set pieces are an advantage, of course, but they're just going to get two or three big chances. And the odds are they will score them. Uh, Nobody's done it against Fulham all year, but that doesn't matter anymore. We're talking about what we think will happen now. Uh, And I like bees at home. Uh, This is my third Fulham fade since the world cup. Fourth one in one in two. So uh, let's make it two and two and get the, get the revenge on Brentford and get some bees to sting. I'm Tony's in until he's out until they say Ivan Tony is suspended. I'm assuming he's playing. That's it. I mean, if he's out he's out
2: go bees uh to the bundesliga uh i'm going to sit out this week cuz bayern munich somehow beat union berlin last week the union Crazy. had them right where they wanted yeah.
4: like that was that match could
2: have gone either way michael i know uh what do you what, what's your favorite bet in germany bj
4: let's go back to union berlin <laughs> one of my favorite bets with them is both teams to score no uh they're playing cologne um and honestly, I think there's three different ways you can actually bet this match. And I just went with the safest option of both teams score no. But I am showing value on Cologne plus a half and draw actually at plus 225. So anyhow you want to play it, I think any three of those have, have some value. I mean, Cologne is a very underrated defense. They've been running pretty cold as of late. I mean, overall for the season, 36 goals off of 27.3 expected. Last two matches, they've conceded five goals off of 2.7 expected. This is also a team that, uh, sets up a pretty bad matchup for Union Berlin. I mean, Union wants to concede possession. They want to play in transition. They want to beat you with crosses. Cologne doesn't allow a lot of big scoring chances, like they're in their fifth and fi- uh, top five and final third entries allowed. They have a tremendous defensive midfielder in Aliyah Shaqiri, who played for Tunisia in the World Cup. He's second in the Bundesliga in tackles plus interceptions. He'll be very good at – he's very, very good at stopping people in transition. And the last time these two teams faced off, Union Berlin got an own goal in the third minute. They missed a penalty seven minutes later, and they ended up winning the match 1-0. And if you remove that penalty, expected goals was Cologne 0.6 to Union Berlin 0.8. Also, Union Berlin has a massive Europa League match on Thursday, uh, so they are in a look-head spot. So I have both teams to score no projected at minus 211,
2: so I like the value at minus 130. Anthony, uh, what do you got?
3: Yeah, I like Wolfsburg at home. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Let's start with Stuttgart, plus 1.5 at home against Bayern. I know uh, that given the positions on the table, you would expect this number to be bigger, Uh, but it is down to plus one and a half because Stuttgart has some real market respect here. And I think it's warranted. When you look at the Stuttgart numbers, they don't just profile as like an average Bundesliga team, but they actually profile as an above average one. When you look at their box entries allowed and and against, uh, and you look at some of their results, like there's some weird noise in there. They've had some bad red card luck. They've had some bad penalty luck. You could say it's luck or not. I mean, they do make some dumb decisions in the penalty area. But this is a team that uh, has run cold for the better part of a full year now. Uh, the market has liked them. They're sitting in 15th place despite having a positive XG difference. And I just don't think Bayern, uh, with the huge win last week and with PSG looming, is is not going to get caught You know, in a weird look ahead here where, yes, they can roll Stuttgart and win this match. Uh, but there's a there's a chance they come out flat, so I'm gonna take Stuttgart plus one and a half. Hold my nose, uh, and bank on that. Uh, so I'm gonna take them, and then Wolfsburg is hosting Frankfurt. Frankfurt's like still the most overrated team in Germany for me. They're in this glob of teams between like six and eleven, where I feel like for the last month, all I've been doing is betting the home team, draw no bet at like <laughs> minus minus one ten, Cause I'm like, I really don't think there's a big difference between some of these teams. Like, I think they're all kind of similar. And so if you're going to give me the home team at a, at a pick them, I'm going to take them. And so this is kind of a similar situation where like Wolfsburg, Frankfurt, Kohn, Stuttgart, all you could throw Gladbach in there. They're at the bottom end of that range, but like the, all those teams are just kind of paraded right around each other. And it kind of flips depending on the mood. But uh, when I get a home team, pick them. I'll take them.
2: All right. Uh, on to Syria, uh, Italy. Uh, BJ, what do you have?
4: I have two. Well, first of all, Grouper, uh, Roma, money line against Juventus. That's just, that you know, we don't need to. Juventus dev- is trending up. We don't need to devolve into that one because that's one of the easiest bets on the board. So, obviously, Jose Mourinho. If he, hopefully, he's on the touchline because that was very unfair with the rest. Well, you got of a the red team. card. I know. It was very unfair. You know If you ask him, it was very unfair. Uh, he said he's not crazy he's just emotional um but I like Napoli minus one at home against Lazio obviously I hate Lazio and I'm gonna try to fade them but now I mean Napoli pretty much has Serie A wrapped up but like every single match they keep playing all of their their best players and they don't have a champions league to look ahead to so I expect them to come out with a pretty strong starting 11 here against Lazio and Lazio is in the top four with a with the seventh best expected goal differential, they've scored 40 goals off of 33 expected, 19 goals allowed off of 27 expected. When they've had to play teams inside the top seven in Serie A, it gets pretty ugly. Seven matches against the top seven, they've created 6.7 expected goals, allowed 10.2. I mean, Lazio defensively basically is providing no resistance. Their 18th pass per defensive action, 14th in progressive passes and dribbles allowed, 17th in opponent buildup completion percentage allowed. That's a very dangerous game to play against Napoli, who's one of the best build-up teams in the entire world. And in the previous meeting in Rome, Napoli absolutely pumped them. XG was 2.1 to .3. Lazio scored in the fourth minute off a deflection goal like they do every single freaking match. And from that point on, Napoli controlled 60% possession, and Lazio only able to to attempt two shots inside the penalty box while Napoli was able to get off 13 in their penalty area. So I have Napoli's spread projected at minus 1.2. Uh I'm gonna wait till match time to see uh what starting 11 they play, but I fully expect Oshman and Kavarishgeli
3: to be in there. So
4: I like Napoli, minus one,
3: plus one ten.
2: Uh Anthony, anything in Italy?
3: You want to guess which team in Italy has the best expected threat numbers, the best field tilt, and it's, uh yeah, yeah, it's, has it's, the best shot differential in the entire league? It's Fiorentina. Fiorentina. Very interesting. Camera Batman. Uh, he's just he's the best player in the world. Best player been, in the world. I mean, look, yeah. if they were giving like the true MVP Ballon d'Or, for me, Sophie and I, were bad. I mean, he was like the the cog in the in the in the Monaco, Monaco Morocco machine, and now he's he's leading Fiorentina here. They're really impressive under Italiano. Uh, there there are some like the attacking quality once they get to the penalty area is kind of flawed, but given that they're at home against Milan and an exact toss up. uh, I just think that's wrong. I think Fiorentina has a lot of room for upward potential. Like if you were to tell me a team who's starting to do all the little things, right with field tilt possession, having, you know, uh, shot differential stuff, and it hasn't quite translated on the pitch yet, but that's a team I want to buy. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be buying Fiorentina. I'm actually going to bet a conference league future. I'm going to put them in plus I'll make that the future of the week. Uh, I think they're live. They're, they're underrated. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna bet them at home against Milan on uh, this weekend. I'm just sad Roma
4: got drawn against Sociedad, and that's yeah, our two
3: children. I know that made me so sad.
4: I still like Roma to advance. I do, but yeah, it's just that and Arsenal were the two worst draws for them. They couldn't get they couldn't get Ferencvaros or Fenerbahce. Yeah,
3: it's awful. Come
2: on, uh, La Liga, Anthony. You got, got uh, Classico. Clasico? Yeah.
3: On Thursday in the uh, Super Cup, or excuse me, the Copa del Rey, uh, Real Madrid took a lot of money after Lewandowski got hurt, and I'm just not totally sold on that. Uh, Of course, Lewandowski is very good and a great finisher, but I actually think it makes Barca's defensive transitional better with Torres likely starting in place of Lewandowski. Barcelona is the number one passing team against a Real team that cannot press whatsoever. They are 12th in PPDA bottom five pass completion allowed it's just like not a great matchup for real madrid when they do play them and i know real beat them two one in the first matchup but they got crushed unexpected goals uh barca destroyed them in the super cup in january barca has won the xg the last five meetings in this matchup now i'm getting plus a half at real first leg i just kind of think this is close to a coin flip so i'm gonna take the half a goal on barca uh what about you bj Mallorca
4: on the island on the island my, minus Fuck. 140 against Elche this line is just way too low for how bad Elche is like i understand Real Betis like they created 4.1 expected goals against uh Elche last week there were three penalties in there so it's it's a little bit skewed but i mean they still allowed Elche still allowed 1.7 expected goals from open play at home They had two guys sent off in that match. One of them is pretty important to them. Enzo Rocco is one of their best defenders. Elche is also still without Perry Mia, who's leading the team with six goals and 4.5 XG. What's even crazier is that, you know, Elche's defense has been so bad. 49.5 expected goals allowed in 22 matches in the lowest scoring league in Europe's top five leagues. But their goalkeeper is actually running incredibly hot. Edgar Badia. Has a plus eight point three post shot XG plus minus and saved three penalties this season, one of which came in this previous meeting against Mallorca. And Mallorca's just, they're just such a beautiful team on the island. I mean, they actually have a positive expected goal differential there, minus seven away from home. When they're playing at home against the bottom half of the table this season, they have a plus 3.8 expected goal differential. They're the best team in Europe in final third to penalty box conversion rate allowed. So I have no idea how LJ is going to even sniff their penalty box. Mallorca also is an offense that's just built on big scoring chances. They're 10th in La Liga, which is not really that big of a deal uh, when you're going up against the worst defense in La Liga and maybe across Europe. So I have Mallorca projected at minus 197, so
2: I'd like to on them at minus 140. Uh, all right, uh, before we get to the underdogs, PJ, you're on an island in Ligue mm-hmm.
4: Troy Monaco over... Three goals plus 110. Troy's the worst defense in Ligue 1. 1.71 non-penalty expectables allowed per 90 minutes allowing close to 17 box entries per 90 minutes. Highest expected threat allowed. They also are the worst pressing team in France. All the elements you do not want when you're facing one of the top sides and one of the hottest offenses in France. Monaco, they're out of the Europa League. Their full focus is going to be on Ligue 1 and securing a top three spot. Their offense Overall for the season, their metrics, they don't look incredibly impressive or elite, like they're sixth in non-penalty expected goals, they're fifth and final third entry, seventh in expected threat. Not really what you'd expect from Monaco. You'd expect them to be near the top three. But since we've came back from the World Cup, 21 goals off of 18 expected in only nine matches, which is third most in Ligue 1 during that time span behind only Lille and PSG. Monaco has also spent a little over 10 90s playing with a lead this season when they are playing with a lead. Averaging 2.03 expected goals per 90 minutes. Troy has spent close to 990s playing from behind this season. And when they do play from behind, they're allowing 2.43 expected goals per 90 minutes. And the last time these two teams faced off, faced off six goal thriller. Monaco won 4-2. But Troy was able to create 2.2 expected goals, which is their highest XG output of any match this season. I have 3.4 goals projected for this
3: match. So I like over three goals, at 110. Let's pour one out for the Marseille future, which uh, we lost. I'm glad. No, I'm, no, us not.
4: I'm, I'm happy they did that to you. Honestly, I'm very happy.
3: Uh, we're not dead yet. No,
4: we're no. You're dead. PSG just not slammed. Dead. The
3: door. PSG give up two expected goals again. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Can't matter. Wait. Can't Wolf. wait. Can't wait for Sunday's episode when I make the case to bet them against Bayern Munich. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I actually don't mind them
4: against
2: Bayern. Me neither. Actually, a little spoiler. Uh, Grouper. All right, time for our underdogs. Anthony, what do you got? We hit one out of three last week. Shout out to BJ. That
3: was
2: an uh, insane
4: match. The I forget who we had. Who was it again? It was Osasuna. They blew yeah, two yeah. different leads and then ended up scoring in like the 86,
2: the Yeah. Why couldn't you Why two? couldn't you use some of that luck uh, with Sam Doria a couple of weeks ago? I know. And
3: Torino, for me, uh, was up twice and they lost 4-2. Yeah. Torino. Blows Union was two. not close. Uh, but this no, week. No, yeah. they could have
4: had him. Come yeah. on, man. This
3: This week, I'm going to fade Union so they'll be back to their winning ways. Yeah, I like like Cologne plus 260. I think I've bet this team every week for the last two months. uh, The new minds, they they are the new minds. Yeah, you never know who you're going to end up up betting. You really never know who your numbers end up saying there's value on. In this case, I just think it's kind of a coin flip match. We saw how bad Union was playing from behind. If we can just get the first goal here, I think we're in decent shape given how good our defense is against set pieces and crosses. Like BJ mentioned when he made the case for BGTS, no. Uh, So let's go one nil, Cologne. Everybody wins, and we're all happy. And uh, that'll be my underdog of the week. Not a huge underdog week for me, but I do
2: like this. Yeah, I'm a little upset uh, that you're not going with Stuttgart, um, but don't worry. Thought about? I have I have our three leg parlay, and then I have what it will be if you threw Stuttgart in as well. Uh, I'm going with Newcastle. They're six to one on the road at Man City. I think there's a couple things here. One. Arsenal is now five points ahead of City in the title race. They just beat Everton in the midweek. I think everyone's kind of expecting City just to respond here, and that's seeping into the market a bit. I know Newcastle's struggling, but over the course of the season, they've put up some. They put up top four numbers. They've only got one win, five draws, and one loss in their last seven, but in that span, only four goals against, and only 15 allowed in the entire season. This is a really, really good defensive team. Eddie Howe, I don't know. Who who got to him but turned into this defensive wizard? 8.1 goals allowed in their last eight matches as well. All I'm asking is for them to turn this thing into a rock fight. Hopefully we get a weird one of these weird city performances where they just get unlucky. We saw it happen in a draw against Nottingham Forest. We saw them get outplayed by teams like Brentford. We saw them get unlucky against Everton. Everton held them in a draw at home as well. So you just really this there's much mo- there's more wonkiness to the city uh than we're used to. Give me Newcastle, 6-1. to one. BJ, tell us our third and final underdog.
4: Espanol, plus 215 on the road at Real Valladolid.
2: This line is
4: insane to me. Real Valladolid is tied with Cadiz for the second worst expected goal differential in Spain. Minus 16.3, while Espanol is sitting in the middle of the table at minus 1.8. Valladolid has performed better at home. I think you're seeing kind of an inflated line. We're getting... Not We're not all the way there. We're getting kind of close to the period of time, which is one of my favorite seasons when relegation teams get completely overvalued because they have to win and teams in the middle of the table have nothing to play for. One of my favorite times of the year. Uh, I don't know if we're there yet in this situation, but Valid has performed better at home than on the road. But here's the list of teams where they've actually won the expected goals battle uh, at home against Almeria, Cadiz, Elche, and Osasuna. That is it. The last time these two teams faced off at Espanol, Espanol beat them one, nothing beat them on XG 1.4 to 0.7 had 17 box entries, half of valid leads, 14 shots came from outside the box. Espanol is generating the seventh most big scoring chances in Spain this season. They're also the second most efficient set piece offense in Spain by XG per set piece, valid lead bottom four in both those categories defensively. So, I actually make Espanol a favorite here. Uh, So I like them plus 215. I think the price is insane.
2: Uh, If you wrap those three together, 78 to one, you want to throw in Stuttgart as well. 555 to one for four legger. Uh, All right, let's move on to our favorite bets in uh, the Premier League for this weekend coming up. First match week of March. BJ, what do you got? Brentford plus 105 at home against Fulham.
4: This is the kill shot. This is where Fulham's regression finally starts to hit. Out of the World Cup break, they have conceded four goals off of 14.3 expected. They just played Leeds in the FA Cup in the midweek. They didn't they didn't concede a goal. Leeds created 1.5 expected goals. The crazy part though is now the Fulham offense is overperforming. Last four matches, if you include the FA Cup match against Leeds, they've scored six goals off of 2.5 expected. Now, this is a great matchup for Brentford, who if they decide to play transitionally, Fulham is going to be without Paulina, who is the the rock in the middle of their defense. He is 134 tackles plus interceptions this season. That's by far the most in the Premier League. So without him, Fulham is very, very exposed in the middle of the pitch, which we're, which is where Brentford likes to play through. I'm not sure what the status of Ivan Tony is. I haven't heard anything. And that means he's probably be playing on Saturday. Even if he's not... Brentford still has capable attackers like Embuemo and Wisa and Keen Lewis Potter all who are all over a 0.4 XG plus expected assist per 90-minute rate. Brentford also very, very good at creating big scoring chances. Top five team in terms of XG per set piece. Fulham, bottom five in defensively in both those categories in the Premier League. So this is the kill shot here to finally take out Fulham. Brentford plus 105 at home.
2: I'm going with Manchester United. They're plus 180 on the three-way money line at Anfield. I just don't see how this Liverpool defense is going to be able to cope with the United offense, the way the attack's rolling right now. Over there, let's go back all the way to January 6th. Excuse me, January 3rd. 3 3 3 2 one 2 3 3 2 2 2 2 2, two, two 3 2 2 3 That's how many goals United scored in each game. They just score. Like I mean, and it's this. This offense is incredible, in incredible form right now. They play the perfect style to take advantage of the Liverpool defensive deficiencies. They're going to catch them in transition. I wouldn't be surprised if this one looks just like what we saw in uh, the Champions League. Liverpool maybe coming out of the gates hot against, uh, like they did against Real Madrid, and then United getting the separation later. They're just a better team than Liverpool right now. Plus 180 is a good number. Anthony, what do you got?
3: Man City, Newcastle, under three, minus 120. BJ talked about it a little bit earlier in the show with Newcastle. The defense remains rock solid. I'm very impressed by what I'm seeing from that team. They they look like a legitimately top three defense, but we're starting to see the cracks in this attack, and I think you're going to see continued further regression for them as the season progresses. I think that the market is still a little too high on them as a unit going forward. And I think Pep is going to make a con- you know conscious effort to not allow what happened in the first matchup. They went on the road to Newcastle. They got destroyed in transition. They had no answers. They uh, gave up over two expected goals, three actual goals. It was a very uninspiring performance. I think Pep will take fewer chances. He will have one hand on the throttle at all times, uh, or on the handbrake as opposed to the throttle. And uh, this game will be a low-scoring affair uh, with City likely winning, but Newcastle struggling to create consistent chances. So I like under three.
2: All right, uh, there you have it. But be sure to stick around for our discussion with former men's national team from the United States, Eric Winalda, talk about uh, the Apple TV deal, MLS opening weekend, some Bundesliga, his Bundesliga pick of the week, and uh, a little bit of love fest for Tim Ream and some talk about Yunus Musa. So be sure to check that out right now.
3: All right, we are pleased to be joined by Eric Winalda, former... US men's national team player and and Bochum as well in the Bundesliga. Eric MLS kicked off last weekend. Very exciting Apple TV. My Union won 4 to 1 big win for us defending our East Coast crown. What, what were your initial impressions of the Apple TV kind of transition and and how the studio and the, and the production ultimately went down and and any takeaways from, you know, the matches or or you know, front office stuff that happened in the offseason?
1: Well, I mean, look, the only thing I'll say about the Apple deal is to wait and see. We're going to have to wait until about June uh, to figure out what those numbers look like and, and see if that's going to appease the the sponsors. Uh, you know, we saw what happened with the NFL uh, and the Amazon deal. Those guys all asked for a refund uh, because the numbers went down about 41%. It's still a good thing, though. I mean, honestly, if, if, if you tried to, to, to click in with, um, with the games, you could get them all in one spot you had that whip around show Sasha question wasn't bad. I I can't say much about the other guys, but, uh, it was, it was a good weekend. I mean, I the best part about it, I think is the games were good. All of the games were good. Atlanta had a dramatic end, a lot of late goals, uh, your union got it done. Uh, I was talking to Jimmy Curtin about that. And, and, you know, this league, uh, once you figure it out, uh, it, it really is, um, it's something because it, it, it it's so hard to predict. You guys have been 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 trying to to prognosticate games. It's impossible sometimes. You just don't know. It's the only league in the world where you just literally it, it could be any any anybody could be a winner at times. But uh, d- disappointed with Austin. Excited for St. Louis. Uh, Austin, that was a weird one though. I mean, somebody's got to call out Josh Wolf. Sorry to be the guy to do it. But everything that this country's going through. With the the Reinas and 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 playing your kid and getting mad if your kid doesn't play and then they they basically change the captain they take Alexander Ring who in my opinion is one of the best uh, players in the league and you play your kid in front of him and then he's the worst player on the field that wasn't a good look I hope they figure that out Owen I love you kid but um, that wasn't a good game for you um, so that Austin was 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 kind of tricky uh, Nashville look looked the the part they they look like they're going to be uh, somebody to contend with, excited for RSL to get a, a win on the road. Uh, and I guess Minnesota, Minnesota's my dark horse this year. I, I just think uh, Adrian Heath has got it figured out. It's got a pretty good team, not a great team, uh, but they looked, the, they looked really good outside of Philly. Philly was, was the one team that stood out the most. And then of course, in the one place that when you put this thing on the calendar that you think you're going to not be disappointed with the weather, LA way to go. So they have to, they have to redo that one, and of course, of course, the, the last one on the slate was the Portland uh, uh, sporting game, and that got pushed back a day. It was a Monday night fixture. That was just a bad game, and, and I think it was it, as bad as it was. It wasn't. It was. It wasn't even that it was really that bad. It was just all the other games over the weekend were much better, mm-hmm. uh, so it just didn't look uh, like it. But all in all, I you know you have to call it for now a, a, a success story. Uh, all the games, you know, the the presentation was was, was pretty good. Uh, commentary wasn't bad. So it was, it was, it was a good week for MLS. Great start outside of the LA game was a good start. I,
2: what you said right there off the top, like we got to wait and see until June. But in reality with this deal, it's like you got to wait like four years with the way that like the RSNs are going, like Bally sports is going bankrupt. Uh, like here locally in New York, MSG is now just going to go to a, is going to launch a direct to consumer thing uh, channel. And, like I think back to like twenty years when I was like Fox Soccer Plus, like that's what I had to to watch. If I, if, like before Anthony was born, right? Like if I wanted to watch Everton, not that yet. Like I had to either like f- find like a hacker to like find a a, a illegal stream, or Fox Soccer. Hope to God Fox Soccer Plus would have it on in between like Sky Sports News and and cricket. And I think so. Like in in a way, I I wonder if like in like four years from now are we going to be saying that was actually kind of a, a genius move by MLS to do this early right to go full, full all in on streaming early especially as a league that you know let's call it what it is like not on the radar for 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 most casual sports fans uh, even casual soccer fans right like so I it's, that's my question here is like Four years right. from now Look, five it's a numbers game
1: it's a numbers game and so when when you make a lot of promises and you want viewership and and um the numbers that I gave you last week may have been the under the undercut of it, it was over 200 thousand let's just call it or or are or, 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 or the, or the the viewing audience uh of these games and they weren't having to pay for it and now we're expecting those kind of numbers uh for people that have to pay for it there's been a great reaction to the people that saw it uh, and maybe if you need four years to build it up to a, an audience of two hundred thousand, that's 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 not going to work either. Right? For that is because when you have the Audis of the world or the people that are spending money on, on, uh, on, on time and ad time, it, if 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 they're looking at a twenty five thousand you know audience, that doesn't it doesn't add up. They will ask for uh, their money back. And so that it's it. When I say it's a wait and see, uh, it, it's it's going to be a difficult. Uh, situation for Don Garber because he told those owners that they'd make money off of this. And he's already asking for a couple million from each of them to make it work because they're over budget. So maybe it might be a pretty tumultuous first year. Um, four years is, is God knows where we'll be in four years, but uh, it's got to get through this first phase. There's a lot of questions to be asked. And, and the sponsors are the ones that are, are the ones that might uh, not pull the plug, but but certainly show their discontent for lack of viewership.
3: You mentioned uh, Minnesota as a dark horse. I'm curious, you know, we look at the odds board. We don't talk a ton of MLS here for the reason you mentioned. I mean, it's just, a, it's a chaotic league. Once the domestic year ends in Europe, like I need a break. I can't go right into MLS right. full full throttle. Uh, is there a pick a team you're eyeing up? LAFC is the favorite plus 450 Philly plus 650 NYC Austin 11 and 16 to one the galaxy 17 Minnesota 32 to one. Is there a team you're eyeing up? Maybe Nashville. as like a dark horse.
1: Nashville as well. Uh, I mean, look, let's face it. Gary Smith has done it year in, year out. First year, seventh place or sixth, seventh place, sixth, third. I mean, he just continually gets better. He just got to re-upped his deal. Um, I, I think he's got a really good team. Uh, he's, he's got all the pieces in, in place and, and he's got an unbelievable support system with the, with the following they have in Nashville. So look, look out for them. That's That's your... Minnesota, and, excuse me, and Nashville are the two teams that I'm keeping my eye on uh, this year. There's obviously the, the, with, with LAFC looking to repeat uh, Austin looks like it's a little bit more problematic than we all thought um, from the, from the get go. It It's, there's just a lot more going on. Let's just, let's just before I, you know, get too crazy there. Uh, but there are the teams that I think are going to tank again. Uh, unfortunately, with San Jose being one of them, which If you watch that, uh, that was that was Almada gets two goals. You know, he wins the World Cup. Uh, Messi says a lot of great things about him. We all said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, wow, you know, 90 minute, 99 minute, two goals, uh, dramatic win for Atlanta. I know that that's an unhappy group. Um, I'm hearing that from various sources. We'll see how they uh, that that all pans out. And I guess lastly, never count out Seattle. You know, Schmetzer, he's, he's had to have some turnover this year. Still has a, a very good team. Probably needs another forward, but uh, I, I would say in order, my favorites this year as far as dark horses are are going to provide us with some unexpected moments would be Nashville, Minnesota, and then Seattle.
4: Let's transition a little bit over to the U.S. men's national team. Yunus Musa is in the news today. Fabrizio Romano tweeted out that he's probably going to leave Valencia this summer and that Chelsea and both Arsenal are very interested Do you think that's a good move for him at this stage, given the squad depth that both those teams have, or would he be better suited trying to play for maybe a mid-level team in the Premier League or making a move to one of the other big five leagues?
1: Well, let's just put it this way. When you're trying to move your player to the EPL, just bring in the big boys and talk about Arsenal and Chelsea, whether it's real or not, and you'll end up on West Ham. That's how it works. It's just the reality of, of what these these guys do. These agents um, are doing all the time. They're trying to position their client in the best spot possible, and they try to pretend like everybody's interested. Oh, I just got off the phone with Chelsea. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, it's not true. Let's just let's just back off, take a breath, uh, and and realize that Musa had had a, a wonderful World Cup. To all for all intents and purposes, uh, he's not having a good uh, a, a good year, uh, and it's just a matter of getting him out of extracting him. Uh, out of a team that looks like it might even be going down, so let's not get too caught up. And it. it'd be a good move. Um, we we heard the same stuff about McKinney, didn't we? It was McKinney's going to Arsenal. He's going to Arsenal. No, he's not going to Arsenal. Grow up, everybody. Just don't believe everything you read. Uh, I know that Chelsea has got their 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 wallet out. They bought everybody in the world, uh, but they're certainly not interested in in employing Musa as as one of their. Uh, they're, I don't want to say next mistakes, but they certainly are making a bunch of them right now. But he's not going to either, any one of those places. But start talking about other London clubs because that's the real target. All right. DJ's you know, uh, right. team, Fulham.
4: Yeah, Fulham. You know, hey, I saw it today Chelsea's
1: in uh, Mitrovich.
4: Because why not, right? Yeah, they need, uh, I mean, look, man, at, look at
1: Robinson and Ream right now. I mean, obviously their performance uh, a couple of days ago. Yeah, Ream was a monster. monster. Yeah, and it's it's terrific. I mean, it's like you know, I I call my son a twenty-one-year-old ginger, and every time I pick it, picks up the phone, he goes, "You see Tim Rain." I mean, it's it's what Tim is doing is is uh, remarkable. Um, yeah, not, it,
2: and not just from a like a national teams perspective, right? Like not because we're American. Like I feel like he should be getting a little bit more respect.
1: Well, he in, was. for this season really for this season is in, insane for a thirty-five-year-old. But Clive, Clive Allen. Um, who, who who's not always the most complimentary of, of commentators wouldn't shut up the other yeah. night about how well he played. There he is again. And there, there's an explanation there too, when you're 34 years old. And, and I talked indirectly to Tim actually this morning, which is with the guy that does his podcast with him. And we were discussing, you know, um, you know, going on his podcast uh, middle of the month, I guess. And one of the things about, Tim and what he's saying is, is just, I've, I've, i feel like i've seen so many repetitions that i know where to be now and and, there, and what needs to be said if you're fulham right now you're playing with house money so yeah. it's not that 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 he's going to go to the position where his coach told him to go he's going to read the play he's, he's actually going to trust himself he's going to have a moment there where his instincts take over and he's not doing what he's told he's actually making plays trust me coaches will take full credit for it after it's over anyway but that's the kind of guy Silva is. He's letting those guys uh, understand their positions and they're playing out of their skin right now. But I just think he's in, we call it the nevers uh, when you get over 30. It's never been this tired, never been this hard to get to work, never been this this long to, to recover. Uh, but once you get through the nevers, um, you have that little phase and it's usually between 32 and 36 where you've never felt this good and you never, never played this great because you're actually... Every day is special. You know how to take care of yourself. You're a good pro. You're not going out with a 23-year-old. You got a kid, you got a family. You end up you end up acting like a pro and you start playing like a pro. And and you have all of the the wisdom now to do that. Notice how many times he's always where he should be at the end of the play. It's like a Bamford, little nudge, right? And and, and Bamford doesn't get a shot off. Or it's a slide tackle that he just hits him off the toe, right? It's because he read the play appropriately and said you know what i think that guy's gonna go there so he's already got two steps on him and you know we can appreciate it we can go all those silly you know um cliches the fine wines and all of that tim Ream is in the form of his life and he's enjoying the hell out of this and his team is is uh, benefiting from it for sure
2: yeah it's a great story all right uh we'll wrap there but before uh we let you go we need a underdog for, from you Boca, uh, excuse me, Gladbach a couple
1: weeks ago. Why well, Gladbach? I screwed it up on the Frank. I thought the that's fran- all right. No, Look, you,
2: you still, no? you you still are you you still are in the in the black. Well, I'm still in, I'm Gladbach. still in a good standing. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, stand yeah, yeah. yeah Lose lose three more in a row and then we'll, we'll have a different. Yeah, no, then we have an issue.
1: Uh, and then we gotta we gotta fill out our taxes, which well isn't fun. Now listen, I, I think. I'm looking at the slate, I mean, the big games are, are clearly there. Stuttgart has no chance against Bayern. So let's let's just forget that. Um, hmm. the, the bottom dwellers, it, 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 I, I almost want to say your sure thing is Bochum and Schalke will be 0-0. Okay, <laughs> great. Thomas Rice, you got two goals against Stuttgart. It's, what, that would be
2: Bochum's, what, second draw of the season? That's pretty hard to
1: do. <laughs> but it, but the the one of them <laughs> neither one of them are going to figure it out. Um, the big game obviously is the Friday night is, is, uh, Leipzig and, and Dortmund. Uh, I, I think that's the most appealing, uh, game on the slate. I think what, um, Berlin, well, union, um, that game just doesn't interest me at, at, at all. Um, looking at the Bundesliga though, I think all eyes will be on that Friday nighter. And that's, that's, uh. It's a big one. I, if I'm going to say, if I'm going to go on a, on a, on a limb here, I'm going to say over four goals, possible mm. five goals and Dortmund is your winner. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. I, I think it's going to be lights out or lights on or whatever you want to call it. I'm saying three, two to Dortmund, which is uh which is saying something.
3: Yeah. yeah. I mean, up. Dortmund's tied. And if they're, they're the only team that really has a chance at this point to, to, to dethrone Bayern. So
1: especially if they beat Leipzig and and Union Union won't won't figure it out. They won't Freiburg will fall off. Uh, We we know that's coming. Uh, So it's, it's all of the teams that I thought would, would be spoilers, the Wolfsburgs, the Leverkusen's um, that, that's starting to get a little bit tricky. If you guys start watching the second Bundesliga, start asking me questions about that. I that's, that's my bread and butter, but I'll go, I'll go dormant. I I, I think they take them. I think it's going to be another thriller. 3-2, uh, possibly 4-2 uh, to Dortmund. Lovely.
2: Uh, and on that note, we will end uh, this episode of Wonder Goal. Richie, BJ Cunningham, Anthony DeBundo, and Eric Winalda, Michael Lieboff. we will see you again next week.
1: Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly.